Hello everyone, welcome to the Unleash podcast brought to you by Hidden Gen, where we talk about how to unleash your hidden potential. I'm your host, Yuri Diogenes, and we have a great episode today, future Dr. Alex Williams. Thank you very much for being here today, Dr. Alex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Before we jump into today's topic, we would like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also find this podcast at Hidden Gin website, uh, hiddengin.net. And if you live in the area and you have not been at Hidden Gin, you can always grab a free trial pass at hiddengin.net. All right, so let's get started here, Dr. Alex, which is also known as Dr. Rocket. Uh, <laughs> so first question is, what does Dr. Rocket come from? Uh, so the nickname Rocket came from when I was about five years old, uh, playing Little League football, actually. I was the fastest person on the team. Um, and at that time, the Dallas Cowboys had a, a um, receiver uh, by the name of Rocket Ishmael on the team. And so the coach kind of took that first name and kind of mixed it and, and, and nicknamed me Rocket after that. It just kind of stuck with me throughout my life. And here we are now, some odd years later. And, <laughs> It's still there. <laughs> and you still fast. Say it again. And you still fast. Uh, Not as much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to think so, yeah. but um yeah, it's it's it might I was faster in the past for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so you are um you work on recovering, right? Uh so I would like to start um uh talking about this topic. Uh, okay. I think that the first uh, question that I have around this topic is how important it is uh, the recovery process uh, throughout the longevity of an athlete. Mm -hmm. So it's is is very important. It's is essential. Um, I think a lot of a lot of athletes will tell you how vigorous vigorous it is for them training wise and to have their body be able to perform at a elite level in order for them to achieve their their end goal and um, you know a lot of elite athletes especially here in the recent past when you have uh, stars like LeBron James and Tom Brady who are playing into their um, later years and able to do so because of how well they've taken care of their body through the recovery process. Mm -hmm. And what type of recovery do you do? I'm a chiropractor. Uh, so some of the, the specialties that you have, for example, you do also do uh, soft tissue work as well? Correct. So we do, of course, you have the adjustment, um, but we also do as far as working with muscles, fascias, ten tendon, and ligaments. So we do soft tissue such as um, active release technique, just kind of help alleviating tension. Um, in that toolbox, we have things like cupping as well, um, dry needling, along with corrective exercises to kind of help with correcting posture and all of that good stuff. How's these uh, uh, activation works? So the active releasing technique, so what do you do is you take a muscle and you find its tension or its lack of uh, action and you kind of, you pin it and move it in a certain direction in order to help stretch it out or help alleviate that tension. So it's like a massage? Uh, similar, very similar. Yeah, it's, like very similar. it's like that deep tissue massage, similar? Correct. It's like it's like a, a, a more isolated massage for sure. Yeah. Okay. 
And what is your take on cupping? I know that you use, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of uh, controversial around cupping. If you, uh, uh -huh. what, what is the the science behind the cupping? Okay, so you have you have what's called an indirect response, and then you also have a direct response. So if we take the direct response first, whenever you're uh, administering cupping, you're uh, stretching out the muscle or alleviating the tension, very similar to if we was to do active release as well. So you're getting your look, your direct goal is the same thing. You want to alleviate muscle tension. Mm -hmm. um, after that, then you're looking at more indirect things. So by alleviating that muscle tension, um, of course, muscles are innervated by blood vessels, arteries, and nerves also to help supply the muscle. And so you're able to uh, kind of take out the, the kinks of what's feeding the muscle. So if I had to give an example, it would be like stepping on a water hose. You know, you step on a water hose, there's no water coming out of the, the water hose to water the grass. Mm -hmm. And that pressure starts to build up in the water hose. Um, same thing with a tight muscle, that pressure starts to build up behind the, behind the muscle because it's not able to act or activate properly like, it, like it's supposed to. Um, and so you decompress that soft tissue, muscle, fascia, whatever it may be, and you start to get more blood flow. You start to get better activation from the nerve. So now that your, your mind-muscle connection is enhanced or functioning optimally um, so that your muscles are able to perform the way that they should. Got it. Got it. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, there are uh, for different type of athletes, I'm, I'm assuming mm -hmm. that there will be different type of recovery, right? For example... Um, bodybuilders, uh, they 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 do have different needs that a sprinter or correct. Uh, so what is uh what is usually the pattern uh, that you work on those athletes? For example, let's let's okay. start with bodybuilding. For example, okay. So for bodybuilders, my first the first thing I want to know is problem areas. What areas in the gym are we? Because we all, we all have them, uh, whether you're a bodybuilder or not. If you work out, we all have those areas in our body that are just weaker or they don't function as well as they should or as well as other areas. And so the first order of business is figuring out what are those areas because that's what we want to target. Mm -hmm. um, that way that athlete is getting the best out of their workout. You know, As a bodybuilder, your, your main focus or your main goal is the look of your physique. And so being able to activate and use those muscles properly is going to be a huge thing. Um, the next thing in the bodybuilding uh, world is also going to be um, posing. You got to be able to pose and pull those muscles out. And so I would then go from gym wise, what are we working on? And then, okay, how are we with posing? Is there any restrictions? Um, have you noticed whenever you try to activate a muscle to kind of pull it out so that it can be seen? Um, is it work? Is that working for you? And then also you want to go symmetrical on both sides. Is one side easier to pull out than the other? Um, is one side bigger than the other? You know, for inactive muscles, then you want to correct that process as well. So the the, the end goal is getting that athlete on stage, full and able to pose however they have practiced their pose. Do you do also a lot of stretching uh, for for then, or is not really their target? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely do. Uh, stretching plays a huge, huge factor, and that is one of our services that we provide here as well. Yes. 
because uh, I know, for example, for um, BJJ practitioners or MMA fighters, uh, stretching mm -hmm. is extremely important. Uh, Correct. So what do you do usually for this target audience? Like, uh, let's say, a MMA fighter or a BJJ mm -hmm. practitioner that goes... Um, usually you start with stretching or you also will target with the same approach, looking for the areas that are bothering the person. Correct. So um, same thing, same areas of concern. If there's any nagging aches or pains that have uh, driven this uh, athlete to me, um, of course, we want to address that. But also as a chiropractor and whenever we're adjusting the spine or extremities, we also understand that muscles are connected to the spine in those extremities. And instead of kind of pounding through the, 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 the tight or the tension of the muscles, we want to alleviate that tension by stretching those muscles out before we go into the adjustment. Otherwise, you just have that constant pull on the joints and, and extremities causing for the misalignment over and over again. One thing that uh, is, is very common, uh, I think, for not only for bodybuilders, but also for uh, uh, MMA or BJJ practitioners, uh, elbow problems. I personally have uh, tennis elbow. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's really tough because it's mm -hmm. an ongoing issue. Do you, do you also deal with mm -hmm. that? We do. We, we, we definitely work on elbows. And the, the, the key point to elbows, which are very, very similar to, to knees, is it's a stabilizing joint. And so in understanding that, basically it's stabilizing your wrist and your shoulder. So your wrist and your shoulder is going to be what's considered um, your mobile joints. And then your elbow is going to be what stabilizes the two. The problem is the elbow only does what the wrist and the shoulder tells it to. Mm. So if you start to lose mobility in the wrist or the elbow, or I'm sorry, the wrist or the shoulder, then there goes the elbow as well. And you may start to feel some aches and pains in that elbow. Oh, that's very interesting because mm -hmm. uh, that uh, actually happened to me. I started losing mobility on my wrist and now my mm -hmm. elbow is hurting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, the, 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 the goal is to fix the wrist so that the elbow gets better or you also work directly on the elbow? Both. So you, wanna, you always want to correct the problem. However, the, the, I guess the difficulty of correcting the problem is going to be pain-based, right? So if we're feeling a lot of pain in the elbow and I go straight to the wrist, we're not going to be able to do much. So we got to get that pain management down or that aching down in the elbow and then we can start correcting what's actually causing the, the aching in the elbow okay that's that's cool that's cool and you call this stability work so this is what's called corrective uh, corrective therapy and what what about stability work what do you what do you consider mm -hmm. stability work so as far as stability work which also is a part of corrective exercise because you want to you want to stabilize joints that are meant to be stable, mm -hmm. right? Like we're talking about the elbow or the knee. And so there's different movement patterns that we can do um, that will help stabilize those areas. There's different movement patterns that we can do to help increase mobility in the joints or areas that should be mobile. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. And for someone that uh, is uh, looking to this, uh, usually you recommend uh, two sessions a week, uh, mm -hmm. one session a week. How, what is a is a good pattern to follow? So it's, it's gonna it's gonna vary, especially for my athletes. Um, I mean, you, you're as athletes, you have 
you know, you have what's, what's in season and you also have what's out, what's out of season or what's off season. And so it's going to depend on, again, vigorous of training, how, how hard we're going. Um, and so a good rule of thumb to take is um, if I had to just give a, a, a roundabout, I would say if you're training anywhere between three to seven days a week, um, I should at least see you once a week at the very least. Mm -hmm. And that's if that's if we're only focused on like uh, preventative or maintenance. That's not if you have an injury or something nagging or condition, then obviously I would need to see more than that. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, what is your uh, advice, uh, not only on re the recovery that you do, but uh, do you also prescribe like some homework, like for, for, oh, uh, yes. for, for people to do on their own? Because sometimes, it's hard to to be at the doctor like twice a week or once a week. Uh, so Correct. you also give some homework for people to do on their own. Oh yes, I tell I tell my patients all the time. What you do away from me is going to going to impact what we do here um, or in the clinic. Um, and what I mean by that is you're going to be there more than you're going to see right. me. So there's definitely going to be foundational keys. Um, to the pre prescription that we're given in order to help correct not only what we're doing here, but also correct correct what you're doing outside of the clinic that may be causing a lot of what's going on. There is a lot of uh, debate around stretching before a heavy lift, a heavy workout. Uh, some, mm -hmm. some people say that uh, is not uh, very optimal. Uh, for lifting, mm -hmm. what what is your take on mm -hmm. that? Is uh, do you think it's important to always stretch before any lift, or there are that depend mm -hmm. on what you're gonna lift or the how heavy oh. you go? Right. So going into going into the lift, it's more important that that muscle is activated, it's awake. Um, you have some type of blood flow kind of already going to that area, um, and so that's more you want to do more warming up, so more ballistic. So more movements versus just static stretching. Um, however, when you when you are working out, when you're lifting that heavy weight, you're contracting that muscle in so many ways. So you're shortening that muscle, and so it's going to be more beneficial for you to stretch after you work out because you've just broken down and shortened that muscle. Mm -hmm. and, and what what uh, can you define? Because I hear this terminology a lot: uh, active stretching. What what it is actually active stretching? Okay, so whenever you hear the word acting, that's going to be going back to what we were talking about as far as ballistic. So that's going to be movement. So not just static or holding a stretch. You're actually moving into the stretch um, slowly, not, you know, not speed wise or not, you know, just kind of pounding the muscle. But you're kind of taking that muscle and saying, OK, this is the action of this muscle. And so we're going to go slowly stretch into that action. Do you, do you have do you have an example? For example, if I'm going to lift, let's say, uh, arms like I'm going to work out biceps. So what will be an active mm -hmm. stretch for arms? So you could take you could do something as simple as using bands mm -hmm. and just kind of doing band pull aparts, internal external rotation of the shoulders because you're going to be using the shoulders if you if you're doing arms or internal external rotation of the wrist because you're going to be using the wrist if you're doing arms and those those are your two mobile joints going back to what we were talking about earlier as far as what's mobile um, and then versus what's stable um, 
if you solely focus on, just to kind of answer your question before, if you solely focus on the static or the, the pull stretch, um, that can lead to other things like elbow problems, elbow pain, and becoming less stable in the elbows because you're pulling, pulling, pulling. Mm, yeah. Same thing. I, I would imagine that same thing for a heavy leg day. You can you can mm -hmm. basically uh, uh, warm up with bands, and that is already considered an active stretch. Correct. Correct. Okay. And do you have like a timeline uh, or uh, for how long you should be doing that that uh, active stretch? Like five, ten minutes, maybe, or a little bit. So, a, a good rule of thumb, I'll 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 always say is you want to. I call it get the juices flowing, but really you should have some type of sweat, heart rate should be going once you get into your active lift. I know a lot of people are are will go into their lift and they're not even sweating or and they're not quote unquote warmed up, right? So you want to mm -hmm. warm up, but you're not warmed up if you're not even sweating yet, right? So you got to warm up before you actually get into your active lift to get the most out of your workout. Yeah, this is a very important uh, a point because, for example, for uh, BJJ practitioners that go to a tournament, sometimes mm -hmm. you are waiting for your time to, to fight for mm -hmm. a long time and you really don't know what time it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of people uh, enter the mat without a proper warm-up and then they pull something. Correct. Uh, yep. It's uh, it's incredible uh, how important it is to to do this warm up before going straight to a fight. Mm -hmm. That that's why box athletes, for example, when they they enter the ring, they are already fully sweat. Fully sweat. Yes, exactly. As they walk through the tunnel, they're already already have a sweat on. Exactly. Yeah, that that really prevents uh, injury. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Yes, sir. So that the advice will be the same. If you are able to sweat in 10 minutes, good. But if mm -hmm. not, keep pushing a little bit more. Correct. Correct. You got to get get the the good rule of thumb is get that. So instead of focusing on time, focus on your body and how it responds. So if you're starting to get some sweat going through your warm up, then you know you got a pretty good warm up going on. But if, from that perspective, what is your take when people do that, but they actually go to like an elliptical machine, right? And they start to warming up on the elliptical. Is mm -hmm. that effective or does it, does it do the same thing or not? Well, it can be. Um, if you're, because the elliptical, you're using your, your arms and legs, right? So depending mm -hmm. on your style or your, your, your goal of training for that day, if your goal is to lift do a heavy bench press, then that elliptical for your warm-up may not be the best or the, the ideal uh, warm-up for you. Now, if your your goal for the day is to sprint 100 meters, then sure, that elliptical will warm you up to be able to perform that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but, for, but, but I guess that if you are going to, for example, uh, train chest and you want to do a heavy chest day elliptical won't, won't be that effective because you are not doing anything on your chest at that correct point. correct so it's better to do some bands warm up uh, for for the chest so you can right. have all that blood flow on that area in particular correct you want to warm up the area that you're calling to perform for that that day or that um uh, training session 
or even that competition. I mean, you want to mm-hmm. you want to warm up. You know, you go linking back to cop to uh, bodybuilders. You know, when they're behind stage, they're warming up how by posing. So once they go on stage, or even by pumping iron. So once they go on stage, the blood flow is going. They have the pump that they need, and they're able to pose in the in the way that they are um, are uh, have been instructed to do so. Yeah, but for example, for uh, BJJ practitioners, we do a lot of uh, warm up, uh, mm-hmm. static static warm up, uh, mm-hmm. static stretch actually, right. uh, which I think is not a, not a big deal because uh, is not we are not gonna lift heavy. We just need to be flexible. Correct. Correct. Point. So the 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 fibers that or the the um, the the mechanism of performance that you're calling calling up on is going to be different so that should that definitely is going to dictate your warm up as well correct um do you also do uh that uh, dry needling yes we do dry needling as well here and, and the dry needling has the same uh fundamental behind or the, the same idea behind the cupping because you are causing inflammation is that the correct. same thing Correct. So both with, with cupping and dry kneeling, you're creating what's called micro traumas within the muscle, bringing blood flow to the area to heal and correct the, the tension in the muscle. I personally use dry kneeling more for uh, trigger points to kind of because I, I've noticed it's it's a fat, a faster response. Um, but needless to say both of those yes there are tools that can be used to do pretty much get the same goal or the same outcome you'll have some patients who um, some patients may respond better or get a better outcome with cupping some patients may get a better outcome with dry needling some patients it don't matter what you do they just need something (laughs) so you'll get an outcome regardless of what tool you use or some patients will need like those uh, injections that you apply directly on the area that uh, I, I hurts a lot. I can't remember the name uh, uh, of that injection. It's based on blood cell or something like that that uh, you inject. Oh, okay. Uh, PRP, correct. PRP, yep, yep, yep PRP. Correct. Yep. Some, because some the, the PRP, yeah, PRP will be basically the same thing but in a huge dimension because it's really targeted on that area right correct correct not only that but it also it's your your um you're using a source so with dry needling you're you're not necessarily putting um anything from like out of the needle into the body sure the needle goes into the body and it's um working with the muscle and everything that innervates but with prp the actual injection you're actually injecting something into the body correct Mm mm-hmm the uh, dry needling has because I've done in the past, and mm-hmm. I I thought it was very similar to acupuncture. I mean, even the needle looks like it's the same. Mm-hmm. So the the needles the needles are similar. The technique is different. So with acupuncture, you're looking at more of a more of a systemic um, response, whereas dry needling, you're looking for more of an isolated um, response within the uh, musculoskeletal system itself. And I heard that dry needling, the, the needle actually go deeper. Is that correct? It can go deeper, yes. On certain areas of the body, it can go deeper. Wow. Yeah, that's painful. Because uh, the acupuncture is, is very superficial. Correct. Uh, correct. And I remember when I did the dry needle, it was a little bit more painful. Not, not as much, but I felt because I did on my elbow. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was not really a good experience. 
And, uh, and when I did, uh, I did with those needles that you connect to a circuit for like little pulses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you use the same thing? Uh, we don't have the pulse, um, but I do, I do have experience with exactly what you're talking about. And it, you kind of get the muscle jumping and all that good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What else do you do at, uh, at your facility? So um, I know we went, over, we went over corrective approach. We went over adjusting. Um, we went over active release, went over cupping, went over dry needling. Um, of course, we have our massage gun, which everyone has one of those nowadays. Um, everyone, has one of the, everyone has one of those, but not everyone knows how to proper use. Correct. <laughs> That, that is correct. That is correct. What, 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 what tip can you give to better utilize that machine? Okay, so the, the first thing is understanding your understanding the heads that go on the gun. Um, I see a lot of people using, like, the for example, the, the two-fork um, portion. I never understood the, the two-fork. I have the two-fork here. I never use it. <laughs> and so that's actually used for the muscles surrounding the spine. And I've oh. seen people like using it on their shoulder and it's like, wait, that's, that's not for that. <laughs> or you'll have, um, there's a, a, a there's the, the long head, the pointy head, which is actually used for deep tissue for bigger areas. So mm. like your, your glutes or your quads or your hamstrings, not necessarily your, your, your neck, you know, right. but I've seen, I've seen people use the, the pointy piece for the neck, you know? Um, so yeah, the first thing is going to be understanding the pieces or the heads that come with the gun. Which and I I think also also the speed right because sometimes if you go too heavy in some areas it, it will actually hurt. Correct. You can actually injure yourself if you're at like a level four out of five speed, just kind of you know drilling it into one area. Um, time is going to be a good thing, or or it's going to be an important thing to know. Um, because you can drill an area too long and overactivate that area and cause um, neurological problems or even muscular problems. Wow. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this thing should come with a better user guide because it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I've seen also people using in 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 you know uh, very different ways, and I always I was always skeptical to try to understand at least uh, how to utilize it. Timing, as you said, is very important. Correct. Uh, the the speed and the heads, mm -hmm. right? Correct. And just to, to make sure that our audience knows, you are your facility is part of is inside the hidden gym, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, what is uh is that a, a special deal for members or how how that works? Yes. Yeah, so we we um uh, part of partnering with with uh, hidden gym members do get a um, certain rate um, coming mm -hmm. in, of course, just kind of saying, you know, you're part of you're part of home, you're you're part of us. But also, um, members from outside are also not excluded from coming in. So, um, if you don't have a membership with Hidden, you can still come in and see us. But you have to go to the website and schedule the appointment, or have to call you guys. How that works? Correct. So. Um, Website, uh, social media, email, and phone number. All, all so, what is what is the website? So, the website right now is Ignite Health and Wellness. Mm -hmm. dot com. And and on social media, you are on Instagram. Yeah, and then on Instagram, our name is Ignite Health and Wellness, as well. And then, as far as the phone numbers, three six one four nine one one three two one. All avenues are accepted. 
Do you also do those uh, fascia stretch type of thing? So we don't personally do that, um, but there is uh, that service here in Hidden that is performed, and we definitely refer um, to those uh, practice or those um, um, FST instructors as well, because that when, works. That works yeah, that, that's that is what I try to understand. Where mm -hmm. do you hand over mm -hmm. from what you do when you say, "Hey, you know what is more is actually beneficial for you to do this"? Mm -hmm. Which scenarios you usually do that? Mm -hmm. So, what we what we provide is when it comes to stretching, what we provide is more of your fundamental basic stretches that you should already be doing. Um, but if you come in and you're tight or you're tense we have to perform that. Now, if you're someone who's chronic, who has chronic tightness, no matter how much you stretch, you're still tight. Um, obviously, you're going to have to have a little bit more time or spend a little, get a little more time spent on stretching. And so at that point, we would want to refer out to one of our FST uh, providers here at Hidden. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. Um, the, the bulk of the uh, the of your clients uh, that visits you, uh, what is the most common issue that you experience over the years uh, that they have? As um, a neck, as a neck, as a back, as shoulders. So what what is usually some of the common cases that you have? Uh, I would say it would it would be three. It would be low back, shoulders, and neck. Would, would be the, the the most common that we see. Um, I think ne I think neck is probably one of big ones, right? Because most of the people work on the daily basis looking at the computer, so they are all like curved. Correct posture, how we sit, uh, how we sleep, uh, looking down at the phone all day long, or looking. Oh at yeah, the that's true. That's long, terrible, yeah, terrible. A, a lot of lot of neck. And, then, and it's also one of the common places where we hold our stress, right? When we're sitting or standing, that's where gravi gravity is pushing us down onto the ground, right? So there's a lot mm. of stress that are built up uh, into the upper back, neck, and shoulders as well. Yeah. I always, uh, <laughs> before visiting uh, chiropractor for the first time, I was always skeptical when they were trying to you know, uh, adjust my neck. It, it almost feels like it was breaking my head, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's scary if he, if he, for many people. And I, I had to do this multiple times to get more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Do you also have this problem? People are too tense when you are trying to adjust. Oh, because you, ha you people have to relax. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to adjust. Of course. And so one thing that I've found that's, that's helped for me is understanding where that fear comes from because it's either, it's either one of two things either you fear the noise that you're going to hear <laughs> or you fear like you just said someone's taking your head off yeah. and so if i can if i can educate to in a in a way that that you understand what i'm about to do before doing it then usually that kind of helps that person kind of relax and so i always tell them especially if it's their first time to relax if we're stretching, hey, just relax because I'm not gonna, I'm not adjusting yet. I'll let you know when I'm going to adjust. You know, because as soon as they, as soon as you lay them down on their back and you start to, you know, feel around their neck, the eyes get wide, the, the ears, <laughs> you know, everything just goes. So you yeah. definitely have to um, ease into it for sure. 
yeah. And now, now uh, one one last question before we wrap up. Um, is it better that the noise is louder, or it doesn't really matter? Because sometimes uh, the doctor is adjusting you, and he doesn't. We don't have any noise, but sometimes Correct. we have a big noise. So Correct. what what is the difference, and what so, is better? So the first thing is let's understand the noise itself, right? Because a lot of people have the misconception that the actual um, popping noise that you hear is the bones popping. Right. It's not actually the bones popping. So when you have a misalignment within a joint, that joint, your body adapts and it, it, it puts something in place of there. And so that substance that's put there is what's considered gas or toxins in the body. So oh, it's very okay. similar to opening a can of Sprite, right? You open a can of Sprite and the gas release out, you know? Yeah. And the reason why it's more of a in this can of Sprite is because the can is aluminum, whereas your mm -hmm. bones are hollow, so you get more of the sound. And so mm -hmm. understanding that, you understand then, okay, I can get an adjustment without any noise happening. Correct. If the body had that to the point where gas is now putting in that put in that misalignment, then you can actually get movement, which is the goal of the adjustment is to actually get movement within the joint. So, so you are you are never actually looking for the pop. Correct. You are just oh correct. okay because a lot of people say, well, I went to the adjustment, I didn't hear any pop, so I don't think it worked. <laughs> correct. Correct. So the popping noise is just a, is an easy indicator for. Um, Many of us who, who don't necessarily understand what's being looked for. And I say many of us because at once once upon a time I was I didn't understand either. Getting adjusted and I may have not heard a pop and I'm like, well, I didn't hear anything. Anything happen? But mm -hmm. um, the the actual purpose is you want function or movement within the joint. The joint if a joint was made to move um, and is stuck or fixated or restricted, then we gotta get that joint to move. Now So ba based on that, mm -hmm. uh, is it is it true to say that louder the noise it means that you were really in a bad shape because you actually accumulate that gas and, and now you release it can mean that yes um, okay. if you're if your body has been misaligned for a while and your body has adapted as it should and you have that buildup of gas that that adjustment or that pop sound can be deeper or like you said louder um mm -hmm. in that standpoint correct Oh, that's awesome! I think that uh, that was the best part of the the interview because <laughs> I, a lot of people <laughs> have this misconception, myself included. Uh, so that's great. All right, doctor, thank you very much uh, for all the uh, educational uh, uh, process throughout this uh, conversation. I I truly appreciate. Uh, any final message to our listeners? Um. Hashtag get adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Love it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching another episode of Unleash Podcast. Stay tuned and see you next time.